And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Today's episode of Game Notes is a special live mailbag edition over at the Athletic app. We're going to be doing live rooms throughout the rest of the season. Subscribe by going to theathletic.com slash game notes now if you want to take part. And ask your question live on the air. Here's the show. Hey, man, how about those Utah Jazz? They actually, they beat a good team. They beat a couple of good teams here lately. Well, I mean, listen, in my, if anybody read my story today, and um, there's a, when the Jazz have um, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and, and Rudy Gobert all available, they're 27 and 9 on the season, and they're like plus 11 in those 36 games. So, I mean, you know, I, I know that, uh, I know that national media and, and pundits, you know, I mean, people talk and, and, you know, they say, you know, they, they, there were reactions to January, but I mean, the reality is when this team is healthy, it's one of the elite teams in the league and it always has been. Um, so, you know, they're healthy. Um, you know, I, I think that there's some urgency there, um, you know, talking to people, you know, kind of behind the scenes or whatever. And, and, you know, this, this group feels, you know, like they can make a run. So, you know, um, the, the, the wins over Dallas and Phoenix were, were big, but, you know, Quinn Snyder said last night, you know, it's, it, the wins were nice, but you know, that it, it's just affirmation that, affirmation of the fact that they're they're starting to play better and you know they're starting to kind of get their uh get their get their wits about them about them and, and get some rhythm uh, with a healthy lineup so we'll see if if it continues um you know the schedule's tough in march and is you know the 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 logistics of the schedule are tough because you're basically playing every other day um but it, it you know it's definitely a good start to the post all-star break schedule for the jazz yeah um how about donovan mitchell's passing he he should have had a lot more assists in that game last night i mean he was throwing some dimes and these guys just weren't finishing he had a, a couple of really nice ones rudy and and you know rudy was getting hacked inside quite a bit but um i, I feel like donovan mitchell really opening up stuff on the offensive end with his passing yes well you know the, the playmaking has been better for him uh, one thing I'm noticing is that he's, um, you know, taking on more of a point guard role, um, even with Mike Conley in the game. Um, you know, Conley still gets, you know, his share of possessions. Um, but, you know, Mitchell's Mitchell's dominance uh, of the offense is is really starting to, to, to be apparent. Um, you know, I mean, I thought he – I thought he was really, really good against Dallas. Uh, I thought that um, he he tweaked his 
like tweaked his ankle in the first quarter. You know, so he went from basically the first quarter to the fourth quarter, not really doing much offensively because he couldn't really, you know, push off or kind of get a lot of bursts or a lot of bursts off the dribble. Um, but in the fourth quarter, he played really well because uh, he started that game, you know, like kind of hitting three, three consecutive threes. Uh, I think he had a four point play mixed in there somewhere. I think he had like 10 or 11 points in the first quarter. And then, you know, he kind of got, you know, he kind of got hurt a little bit and, you know, he worked it out over, over the course of the game, but I mean, it, it affected him in the middle, in the, in the middle quarters. Um, but he had one really great play where, you know, he made a play against the clock where he found Jordan Clarkson uh, for a three. And, and, you know, that was, you know, just a tremendous diagonal pass, you know, so he, he's, he's been really good and he's been really good, you know, since he's come back from the concussion. Yeah. Also, I uh, thought the defense um, much better and I'm going to give you a ton of credit here, Tony, you know, who's been key for them defensively and hitting some big open shots. And you told me it was going to happen. You told me this was the guy that, okay, yes. They didn't make a big trade trade deadline, but don't worry. Daniel House is pretty damn good, Tony. Uh, he was he's been great. He's been great. Um, you know, I thought he was good. Uh, you know, in his possessions on Devin Booker, I thought I uh, I think I tweeted something out to the effect that he's got to take, you know, as much possessions uh, on, on Booker as possible if the Jazz see um, the Suns in the playoffs, but. Um, you know, and he hit two really big threes down the stretch. Um, and you know, his, his defense on, on Booker was, was, was terrific in terms of he's making them work. And he did the same thing against, uh, Luka Doncic. Um, you know, but I think the biggest thing is like for the first time, you know, in this run, right? Like, you know, the jazz have bodies to throw at people. Like you could throw Royce O'Neal at somebody and then you could throw, um, Daniel House is somebody you could throw. Um, you could throw Trent Forrest at, at at somebody. So you got two or three guys that you can throw um, at at really at really good players, and you know, kind of give those guys different looks and give those guys some some fresh legs. Because you know, you're throwing like if you just have you know Royce O'Neal to put at somebody, and, and it's like okay, you know, by the fourth quarter. I mean, you know, those legs start to get heavy. So, you know, it's kind of like you can share the share the possessions and, and share the responsibility um, with with those guys. But I want to hear from Jazz fans, though. I want to hear from the fans. I want to hear what they have to say. What do you? Think? Yeah, um, guys, uh, this is supposed to be interactive. So let, let's go ahead and take some uh, requests from the audience. Hop on if you want to uh, be on the show and and ask a question to Tony. All right, we got Jacob J up first jacob are you there yeah can you hear me yes yeah, hey how you doing it's good it's good talking to y'all yeah you too um the main thing that i've uh number one i've just been so high on the trent forest train my siblings think i'm just bananas but uh i just would trust trent forest guarding anybody i think he's amazing um but the thing the past couple games that i've felt was happening and I'm not I don't know beyond just eye test and so I wanted to bring it up was um, I feel like Quinn has been doing timeouts so much faster 
to cut off the other team's momentum. Like there were plays in Dallas where they they hit one three, and it like it seemed like in the past Quinn was just like letting his guys run and and play it out, but he was just calling a timeout. He's like, no, we're not even entertaining that. And uh, I don't know if that's been something other people have noticed, but I feel like it's been a lot more him inserting you know, his strategies to cut momentum and, and influence the game, which has been really cool. Well, I yeah. know that, he, uh, uh, no, go ahead, Dave. No, I was just going to, I was going to ask you, Tony, I was like, is that something that you've noticed? I mean, I, I haven't necessarily noticed it. I, I do know that the pop coaching tree loves that. Um, and, and I don't think it's going to be a trend going forward. Like it, it is a wasteful time out, but it's a great time right out of the all-star break. If you really want to, reinstill your principles and this is one way to get that message across i'm not against it well he called his first time out yesterday after three possessions mm-hmm. um cam johnson hit a three deandre it was an 8-0 hit a, run, hit a, right? yeah deandre ayton hit a wide open three and uh they got like a wide open two so i don't know if that was a, a reactive timeout more that it was like, I'm pissed off timeout because we talked about this in the locker room and you guys just came out and gave up three possessions of, of garbage defensively, you know? So um, the, the one thing I think, you know, I, I think Quinn has, you know, he's been, you know, it goes back to the urgency of this season for me. Like everybody knows what's at stake in this playoff run. And I think that Quinn has really preached being locked in for every moment because the Jazz haven't been locked in. Um, you know, they spent the first four months of the season, like, you know, you go, you play a bunch of teams with 500 records, you beat those teams with 500 records, and then you lose to the Pistons at home, or then you lose to the Pelicans at home, or then you lose to the Rockets at home. And I think that, you know, heading down the stretch in these next six weeks, the Jazz, Jazz want to be – as locked in as, as possible um, on, on every possession in every game. So I think that that's where the, some of the quick timeouts come in. And also, I'll just say this as a coach, when you're on the road against a younger team who's got energy like Utah, or like Phoenix does, and that crowd, when they get into it, I mean, it's not like Utah hasn't been there and dealt with that crowd. That's the sort of team that throwing a haymaker out of the gate, they could just knock you out really fast their defense is solid i mean this game was super close so that 8-0 run if it had been 13-0 it's a different potentially mm-hmm. a different outcome so uh you know i wouldn't i wouldn't you know look too closely at, at each game like that but certainly something to take notice with when they're on the road because i, I do think that they need to they need to try to get the three seed i, I think being in that four spot is going to be rough because you're going to face dallas or you're going to face Denver, most likely. And the battle right now for them is to be in the three spot. So you have to take every single game seriously. And an 8-0 run to start the game, especially because it started so great, I thought, for Utah. Rudy Gobert blocking DeAndre Ayton on a jump shot is about as well as you you can get that game to start from a from a tone standpoint. So yeah, it was a good it was a good timeout, one way or the other. Uh, so thanks for your question. Uh, we got Kennedy coming up now. Kennedy. Hello. Hi, Hello. Kennedy. How's it going? Thanks okay. for uh, thanks for uh, uh, being on. Appreciate it. Yeah, not to call you out, Kennedy. I will just say this: going forward, assume 
uh, uh, well, don't assume it with Tony because he may surprise you, but just assume we're doing great and we are very happy to talk to you. That's legit. So we can just skip the, the, the cordialities. All uh, right. Kennedy, what was your question? Uh, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I just want to know, do you think uh, Quinn playing house at the end of that fourth quarter, do you think that's not an omen, but perhaps just a sign that he's willing to be more flexible going forward since he's kind of known to stick with that core group? Um, I personally believe that house is just better suited for the four position, but I just am curious to hear your guys' thoughts. So the, the here's the easy answer to this. Um, Royce O'Neal and, and Daniel House, their strengths as defenders, from my vantage point, are different. Royce O'Neal is a better defender from the foul line down, and Daniel House is a better defender from the foul line up. So what that means essentially is you want Royce O'Neal on – you know, Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James or Giannis Antetokounmpo or guys who work their way from the three-point line down. And you want Daniel House on guys who play, you know, from the foul line above. So if the Jazz see, if the Jazz see Denver and um, Jamal Murray is healthy, you probably want Daniel House on Jamal Murray rather than Royce O'Neal. If the Jazz see... Uh, if the if the Jazz see Memphis, you know, you probably want Daniel House uh, on John Morant, even though I don't think there's anybody who can stay in front of John <laughs> Nobody. John <laughs> no, um, yeah, tough. Right. Um, but if the Jazz play the Lakers, you want Royce O'Neal on LeBron James because he's terrific in terms of his base and in terms of how strong he is. I thought it was noteworthy, and I, I I put it in my story. I definitely thought it was noteworthy that Quinn was not afraid to finish with Daniel House because um, he has typically been really, really loyal to Royce O'Neal. And so I thought that, that that part was noteworthy, but, I mean, it was the right decision because Daniel House was just better suited to guard um, those stretch possessions against Devin Booker um, than, than Royce O'Neal was because there's a difference between – how they navigate screens. Daniel House is is you know he gets it he gets over screens. He doesn't die on screens. Royce was dying on a few screens a little bit. And you know if you if if Devin Booker comes off screens naked for a 15 footer that that shot's going in 90 percent mm-hmm. of the time. So um, you know I, I thought that that was that was kind of the answer. And I think that. And I think that there's a place for both of them in the lineup in in in, in playoff possessions. I really do. Um, I can absolutely see, you know, the Jazz needing both of those guys to close in the same lineup in, in a playoff game or two. I, I would look forward to that for sure. Uh, thanks for answering the question, guys. No yeah, problem. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, Tony, I'm with you. I think their best defensive lineups are going to have both of those guys on the court. Yeah, and the nice agree. thing is, um, I mean, Daniel House as a as a spot-up shooter, Totally fine. Right. Totally fine. And and the added defensive versatility that, that you can have. Plus, he can play next to Donovan and Mike Conley. Right. And that, that's, the, that's the big thing, right? Like, if you mm-hmm. have to have – if you have to have Daniel House and Royce O'Neal on the floor because some team is torching you, but you have Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley on the floor, what you're not doing – what you're doing is 
you're adding the defensive versatility without sacrificing the offense. What you sacrifice is, is Bojan Bogdanovic, most likely. And But at the same time, I mean, if you're in a playoff and it's possession by possession, you already know that Donovan Mitchell's never given the ball up on those on those other possessions. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think uh, I, I think having that that really works. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, guys, come on, jump on and uh, and ask some more questions. Um, Tony, I, I guess I, I'll, let's talk a little bit about Rudy Gobert. How did you feel uh, about his performance against the Suns? I mean, it's been a team that's been rough for him. Obviously, Chris Paul wasn't out there, so that helps. But what did you think about his game yesterday? I thought he was. I thought he was really. I thought he was good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the numbers were good. You know, but you know, really good. You know, it's kind of like you know LeBron James, right? Like LeBron James. Last night against uh, New Orleans at 32 points on. No, don't you dare. 32. Don't do that, Tony. Just, just, nope. just listen. We're not giving I'm, him those 32 points. I'm okay. going to go back. I'm actually right, going to go I, through no. all the film this year because this guy I, I is garbage to, time. Stat I need padding. you to listen to what I'm saying. I said. <laughs> he did not have a good game. Okay, but stop and just listen to what I'm saying. I'm listening don't, don't. to you. So I said he had 32 points on 13 for 23 shooting, but he played terrible. Yes. Which is what okay. I was trying to say before you cut me off. I just know how much you so, love LeBron. Just just, just listen. So uh-huh. the point being is that Rudy Gobert is good enough that he's going to go ahead and get his stats regardless. And it's, it's a point of whether he played well or not. Because he's good enough that he's going to get his 15 rebounds and he's, he's going to have a double-double. So... I thought that it was like a six out of 10 kind of game for him. Like I thought he was, I thought he got better as the game went on. Um, I thought he was pretty good down the stretch. Um, but, you know, there were, there were patches in the game where, where I thought that white side was, was, was better. Um, um, uh, yesterday against Phoenix. So, um, you know, I, I thought that, you know, you know, like Rudy, I thought Rudy was, I thought he was amazing on Friday, especially in the fourth quarter and especially in, in ISO. Um, yeah. Uh, and I thought that he wasn't as good yesterday as he was on Friday. I think people are going to be finding out now that the Jazz have another capable defender that the reason that they didn't switch wasn't because of Rudy. Um, all right. I'm going to bring on Charlotte D here to ask a questions or comment. Hi, Charlotte. Charlotte. Hello. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hello? Charlotte. Nope, I'm, I put you in the room. You can you can speak if you've got your phone. 
There we go. Sorry, I was on mute. Um, no problem. <laughs> I wasn't sure I was in the chat. Um, okay, so my question is kind of basically around playoff matchups. I know obviously we can't know exactly how the seeding is going to shake out. I've been wondering, and I've talked with a bunch of friends, is do you think the Jazz are going to be able to avoid kind of that, that small ball matchup probably all the way throughout the West if they end up playing like the likes of like Denver or Phoenix who kind of like to play their bigs in that drop big? So there's a good chance they see Dallas in the first round, which means mm-hmm. they'll, be, they'll definitely be exposed to small ball there. Um, um, if they see Golden I think that's State, the worst case scenario. Yeah, I know you. Um, um, yes and no. I'll explain later. But um, okay. <laughs> um, I think you know, I think their worst case scenario is by far Golden State. I think that's well. I don't. Scenario. I just don't think that they're going to catch Golden State in the first round. Yeah. Well. I'm, yeah. So you think that Dallas is their worst case scenario in the first round? Yeah, I think if if you're Utah, you you would rather play Denver. And just like Charlotte pointed out, I mean, you'd rather play a team that's going to do a traditional bid because then you, Rudy is more likely to be able to stay on the court. Yeah, if I'm the Jazz, I'd rather see I'd rather see Dallas because, yeah, Denver can stretch you out with small ball, but they, they just have the, better players the, too. The the diff, this is the difference between Dallas and the Clippers. The Clippers could small ball the Jazz to death and they can rebound, and they can keep Rudy Gobert off off the boards. Dallas can't do that. If if Dallas plays if if Dallas plays small ball against the Jazz for seven games, Rudy Gobert is going to average twenty points and twenty rebounds in that series because Maxi Kleber cannot keep him off the boards. He's going to absolutely destroy them offensively on the interior, and on top of that. It's not like, you know, the, the reason why Terrence Mann was so good again in, in small ball is because he could put the ball on the floor. Maxi Kleber right. is just, he's just, all he's going to do is catch and shoot. So what yeah. Rudy Gobert is going to have to do is he's going to have to stretch and he's going to have to recover. And But once he recovers, like, it's going to be fine. Like, there's no off the dribble, there's, there's no off the dribble presence. So, I mean, so D- Dallas is small ball against the Jazz is going to be different than the Clippers small ball. It's going to be different than Houston small ball, um, uh, you know, some years ago, you know, when they had P.J. Tucker at the five. It's going to be different than that because they don't have the capability to stretch off the dribble, and they definitely don't have the, the capability to combat Rudy Gobert on the other end. Um, you know, so their small ball is going to come at a real, you know, at a, at a real cost for them. Um, yeah, and I, that's the thing about the Clippers that I, I think that everybody just kind of ignores. It, it's not so much the, that they were small, but it was just that they had four or five guys at all times that could attack off the dribble. Right. And and Utah had one defender. Right. Basically. And, and so there is the problem. It wasn't just like this wasn't like the Warriors with their small ball. Warriors weren't running five ball handlers out there. It would have been an easier right. time for, for them like the Clippers are just such a perfect sort of anti-jazz team. I mean, they just cannot guard up because they don't have the body sword. So it is a and, bit of a and, tougher battle. And and the Clippers could rebound. And that was right. well. So yeah, it, 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 it wasn't. So. It, yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like Rudy was destroying them on the other end. And 
you know, I just don't see any way that Dallas can run that small lineup for seven games and keep Rudy off the boards. Yeah. And then, and there's, and some of the other teams, man, I mean, this is one of those years where, I mean, obviously the, the champ is going to be a, a, a team that has a, a pretty big center unless, unless it's Brooklyn somehow. Um, but I think that, I mean, when you look at Memphis and the way that they hit the glass, you look at Utah and the way that they hit the glass, it's going to be rebounding is going to be vitally important in the Western conference playoffs. Big time. So, yeah. All right. We're going to go to another question. Thanks for the question, Charlotte. Uh, Jason, come on in. Jason, welcome. Oh, muted. Muted. Good now. Can you hear me? There you go. Hi, Jason. Hey, what's up, Tony? Hey, uh, Whiteside has been, let's just put it, I don't know, like a little bit of a roller coaster this year. Uh, <laughs> as far as, like, For his career? Well, I, I, you know, to me, I don't consider myself necessarily a casual fan, but I focus on the jazz. I've heard his name before, and I, you know, he, he makes highlights previously, whatever. But this year, specifically for the jazz, both effort and production – roller coaster for sure right now we're at the peak it's great <laughs> they gonna like do we just gotta tame expectations or like yeah, we, yeah. okay well yeah <laughs> bummer so i, I hate I, to I be know. that guy oh, but man. that's who white side's been right that's Tony? who he is that's who he is I, i'll give you a white side story yeah <laughs> um um Cody Zeller once told Whiteside, you're the biggest waste of talent I've ever seen. Wow. I mean, so, you know, if you're a Jazz fan, you got to be frustrated, right? Like, my 17-year-old daughter, well, now she's 18, but she struggled, like, through her grades, you know, for three years because, like, you know, she she treats high school like it's a comedy club. But, you know, this this semester, she we're like, okay, we need you to get into college, so we need you to try. And she came up with a 3.6 GPA, right? And I looked at her and I was just like, I don't know whether to kiss you or kill you because I knew you could do this. And if you're a Jazz fan and you saw Whiteside on Sunday against Phoenix, he was awesome. He was battling on the glass both ends of the floor. Uh, he was battling against Aiton. Like, he was legitimately good against Aiton. He was that, unselfish. Like, that steal you know, when he took it and slammed yes, it yeah. on him was – Yes. That, yeah. I've never seen a jazz center do that in my entire life since I've been watching him. It, yeah, 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 exactly. And then you see him, like, in the games where he doesn't care when, you know, he's not contesting or he's not, you know, active in the drop or he's not rebounding or he's not screening. And you're just like, what are you going to do with this guy? Because he's so naturally talented, but he doesn't bring it every day. You know, on and, Sunday, he bought it. He bought it. And do you want to know something funny, Tony? Here's here's the trick with Hassan Whiteside. And this is where you have to – you like, he is one of the players that you have to watch. Because if you just go look at his numbers, this is why people, you know, like Jason, hey, you know, I, I heard I heard about this Whiteside guy, got a big contract at one point, been a starter for a while, now he's our backup. Wow, this is great. And then you go look at his per thirty six numbers: seventeen points a game, fifteen rebounds. This is per thirty six. This is really good. 
three blocks per 36. Really good. But he doesn't affect the games. He gets the numbers, but he just doesn't affect winning. This has kind of been the thing with him. It was just like that in Portland. I mean, it's been like that for a while with Whiteside. He got he tricked the Miami Heat, got that big contract, and now it basically has been living off that reputation because the stuff that he actually does in the games, somehow it's just not I don't know how, because you, you know, when you when you put up that sort of production, it should be winning basketball, but it just isn't. It just isn't. That's how it's been is there, his whole career. Is there any correlation between starting white side and backup white side? And he, I think oh, he's, been, he's been better well, as a backup. backup. He's yeah. been better as a backup. Well, clearly, I mean, I think this that, year, was kind of, that was kind of the point of my question. Like, when he's backed <laughs> up, Rudy, things have been great. When he started, that's when I was yeah. like, man, this guy sucks. Yeah, if you're, playing him, if you're playing him 20 minutes a night, and if you're playing him 20 minutes a night, that's a lot better than you're playing him 30 minutes a night. Because if you play him 30, 35 minutes a night, then the warts start to really show over 35 minutes. So... You know, you yeah. want him. <laughs> yeah, you want him. Sh- you want him short burst. You know, ideally, you. I mean, but you know, the thing that stood out for me with how good he was um, against uh, Phoenix on Sunday was that you know he, he, you know, he really affected the game when he was playing against Aiton. Like he gave Aiton issues, and I thought it worked. I thought, you know, having to deal with Whiteside being so effective, and then having to deal with Rudy Gobert. That really gave Aiton, that really wore Aiton down towards the end of that game yesterday. And I thought, you know, he wasn't the same player at the end of the game as he was at the beginning of the game. Yep. All right. Uh, Thank you for the question, Jason. We're going to go to Ryan M. now. This is like doing radio. This is pretty good. Oh, this, I love it. This format is great. Yeah. For uh, for folks listening on the pod, because I am going to put this out as a podcast, um, if you want to join this next time, Go to theathletic.com slash game notes and subscribe. We're going to try to do a bunch of these for the rest of the season. Uh, Ryan, welcome. Hey, nice to speak to you guys today. Yeah, appreciate you. Yeah, uh, My question uh, today is, uh, you know, if you look at the standings in the West, it, it looks like pretty much there's – I don't think there's going to be much movement. So you could almost map out the matchups that the Jazz would have if the, you know, when the playoffs start in a few months. Um, what do you guys think are the realistic chances that the Jazz can make it to a conference finals knowing that you're going to have to go through most likely the Suns in the second round? Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure I agree with you there because um, I think you need to go and look at Golden State's schedule and it's brutal and um you know and i think the jazz are are playing well enough um that they could possibly catch memphis if memphis doesn't play well you know so i'm not sure that the i'm not sure that the seating is set in stone but let's let's um let's say for the sake of argument that it is and this is the seating you know i've said this you know, pretty much all season. I mean, I think the Jazz, when they're healthy, they're an elite team and they can they can play with – they have a chance to beat anybody in a series. So, you know, if they play against Phoenix, you know, that's probably the one team that, that I would probably favor over the Jazz slightly um, because I think Chris Paul is that good. 
Um, but, you know, if they play Golden State, if they play Memphis, or if they play, you know, Denver or Dallas or anybody else, I mean, you know, I, I give the Jazz um, just as good a chance. I mean, you know, the difference between Phoenix, the slight difference between Phoenix and everybody else is, you know, if if the Jazz play A-plus basketball against Phoenix, they still might lose that series in six or seven games. Um, right. They but, just have so but, much talent. Right. But if they play A-plus j- basketball against Golden State or Memphis or anybody else in the West, they're, they're probably going to win that series. So it's it's just – is it, so I, I guess the, the, the layman's answer is Phoenix is probably the only team in the West that I would actually favor the Jazz over the, over the Jazz in a series. I, I, I put Utah – I think their range of outcomes is actually fascinating because they're good enough to make a finals run. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't put them – they're not in the toss-up category for me with Golden State or Phoenix. I think both of those teams are better. Golden State has question marks because of Draymond. And Phoenix, I'm not too worried about, even with Chris Paul out. Like, I'm just not worried about them at all. They, they See, are we, 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 we disagree on Golden State. I think the Jazz are better than the Warriors if they play. If they play I mean, I think if, if Draymond's out there and healthy, I don't think – I think that Golden State's better. And we do disagree there. But I, I, will, put, I will say this. If, if Utah's going to play like they have against Golden State, it's, it's much closer to a toss-up than I would have it the way that they were playing, you know, maybe the first six weeks, eight weeks of the season. Like, they're playing their best basketball, I think, right now. Daniel House has been a huge addition and, to me, gives them a better chance against anybody. But if they play Denver in the first round, Denver could beat them. They're going to likely have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back. Um, Getting out of the first round is not even a guarantee for Utah. It it is this year, and it's east and west. The playoffs are kind of open. Tony, like it's great. It's not a guarantee to get even get past Denver or eh, probably the Mavericks. I think they, they likely beat the Mavericks, but Denver would be really tough. And especially because of Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr. Potentially coming back. So um, yeah, Phoenix, God, man, that's, that's rough. If you have to play Denver and then Phoenix back to back to maybe get golden state. Oof. So, you know, I, I I think I would. I mean, you know, I think Denver can beat the Jazz, but but I I I favor the Jazz more than you favor favor the Jazz against Denver. I, Denver's can't stop the Jazz from doing what they want to do offensively at all. You well, know, I don't think, I, I don't know I, if anybody can, to be honest. I with you. I know I know the Jazz. I know Denver can score a lot. You know, you know, but I I think that a a Jazz Denver series for like six games would be like. 125 to 120 and the jazz will win four of them and denver will win two of them um you know there you know the difference with with denver and all the other i mean denver just can't they can't force the jazz out of what what they want to do like golden state can force the jazz out of what they want to do memphis to a degree can force the jazz out of what they want to do you know even dallas can like but there's nothing that denver can do defensively that that can bother that can bother anything the Jazz can want to do. So, I mean, I think I you're know underselling that, Denver's defense quite a bit. Now, well, I don't know what that defense is going to look like when it has Jamal Murray and when it has Michael Porter Jr. in it, because both of well, those guys coming back from thing, injury and neither of those guys are there. The first place. If, if those guys are there, they got to play. 
And yeah, it's a step back and, defensively. And and if you're playing them, then the Jazz are just gonna just gonna target them and they're just gonna eat them alive offensively. So you know, I mean, in, and and they play a drop, and you know, Jokic can't guard can't guard Conley or 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 Mitchell in the drop. I mean, there's just too many things that the Jazz can do against Denver offensively for for me to to think that Denver can beat them in a series. Now, I think that if the Jazz play like crap for seven games, I think that Denver can win that series because Jokic is that good. Like Jokic is good enough to go for 30 and 20 in the whole the whole series, and he's one of the few people that have completely figured Rudy Gobert out. Like Rudy Gobert does not bother Nikola Jokic at all. Um, mm-hmm. And he's one of the few people that, that, that Gobert doesn't bother. So, you know, but I mean, you know, offensively, I mean, th- one of the reasons why Denver was able to get back into the series against the jazz in the bubbles, because, you know, Jeremy Grant, you know, they were able to put Jeremy Grant in the lineup and he affected right. that. He affected them defensively. They got Gary Harris back in game six and he completely affected Donovan in game seven defensively. There's no Gary Harris or, or Jeremy Grant there. There's nobody that there's no adjustments. Like there's no PJ Dozer. PJ Dozer is not there. Like there's right. no adjustments that Mike Malone can make defensively that can bother that that can bother Donovan. There's no Tory Craig. There's no there's nothing defensively that they can do against the Jazz. Yeah. They would just I mean, they would they would have series, to score they would have to score 135 points a game to beat it, the Jazz. It becomes a series that's about having the best player in the series, which they would. I mean, Nikola Jokic is the best player in the West. So, they have a I think that you got a puncher's chance anyway just cuz you have that guy. Um, I agree. But I want to see that series, to be honest with you. I think it's a fascinating series, oh, especially post-bubble. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see it. All right, we're going to take one more series. question, and then we're going to wrap up. Caden, uh, welcome. Welcome, Caden. Hey, can you hear me? Yep. Awesome. Hey, Tony, quick question for you. Do you think – doing great. Love your work. Uh, quick question. Do you think the difference between three and four is that significant, knowing that – Five and six are most likely going to be Dallas or Denver. Are we? Should we really be that concerned about a push for three? And should, does it? I don't. Know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but just kind of wondering what you think about that. Um, I think the only difference, the only significant difference, would be if Golden State dropped the four and Memphis got the two. And if and if that's the scenario, then if you're the Jazz, then yeah, you want to get to three. Because while, you know, you're still playing a really difficult first-round matchup against Dallas and Denver, you know, there's a difference between playing Memphis in the second round or one of Golden State and Phoenix in the second round. The, so um, if, if that scenario doesn't play itself out, then I don't think there's really any difference. Um, you're, you, you know, you're going to – you're going to play a tough first round matchup and then you're going to play a Titan in the second round. And then it's just going to be about whether you can play, you know, a plus basketball for, for seven games uh, in that second round and, and do it uh, while not having home court advantage. I, I agree. I mean, I, I just don't think that there's not like an easy team to play. And, I mean, hell, even if you, I mean, look at the play in man. 
if the Clippers are healthy, if, if for some reason Kawhi and Paul George are back, wow, that stinks. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it, it is just this season, you're just going to have to play who you play. But I, I think that but having the three seed could matter. It really could. So, and, um, and what scenario? And what scenario do, do you think it matters? I mean, do you think it no, matters just it could matter, no. right? It could. Yeah. If, if if the difference is Denver or Dallas, and the three seed is Dallas, I think that that's a big difference. That does matter. I'm more worried overall, especially because of the Murray and Michael Porter Jr. coming back. That that Denver is like a sleeping giant. So I wouldn't want to catch him in the first round. And even though I said earlier, I think maybe you'd rather, if you're thinking about schematically, you'd rather play them just because you could play Rudy more, but they could be a nightmare for everybody. You know, Denver has really good ramen. So I, I was thinking about <laughs> spending like like a week in that city. Hey, is... man, I, I was just out there. It was it was It was – Pretty decent. I had some good food. I had some really great sushi, actually, which is a funny thing to have in Denver. Uh, and now that we're talking about food, that's my signal that we have talked long enough. Um, man, a lot of people showed up. This was awesome. If you're hearing the podcast version of this, come on out the next time we do it. We'll try to actually promote it in advance, even though I know we're kind of bad about doing things on a regular schedule. We'll try to get better. You know, that's all we can hope to do. Tony, thanks for hanging out. Appreciate you. Appreciate all the questions. And uh, for Tony Jones, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been a live room edition of Game Notes. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.